0: Death by Incarceration presents, in association with Crawlspace Space Media, Injustice, a new wrongful conviction podcast with a focus on advocacy. Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez are each serving life sentences for the 1987 murder of Sean Nelson, despite the existence of evidence that could have cleared them had it not been withheld at their trial. Now that our production team has obtained that previously lost evidence, Will it be enough to write an injustice of more than 30 years? It's
1: crazy because there's a confession. <laughs> there's a confession. He did confess. It's recorded. It's on a tape.
0: Injustice. Welcome back to Injustice. Now, technically, this is a story about wrongful conviction. It's about justice, injustice, and how things can go tragically off the rails when you have a dirty prosecutor like Roger King. And you have dirty cops, and just how the whole system can be turned on its head and turned against an innocent man, two innocent men in this case. It's all of that and more, technically. Technically. But what it's really about is human relationships. In our very first episode, we brought you portions of conversations we had with the families of Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez. And the one through line everyone mentioned was the incredible heart that these guys have, even through dark days. Hell, 30 years in prison to most of us is unimaginable, but it's the reality of their current situation. Now, Lisa and I were lucky enough to have a conversation with June about a week ago. And the intent was never to get his side of the story. I think we've covered the story to the best of our ability. But naturally, over the course of the conversation, if you know, things came up from the trial, from the letters, and we just followed where the conversation took us. But again, we weren't really interested in rehashing the story. Now, we just wanted to hear from June himself. And we were limited to a 45-minute conversation. But believe me when I tell you that I could speak with this guy for hours... He's thoughtful, intelligent, kind. Everything that everyone told me he was. So, anyway, no big fancy intro this week. Let's just get right into it. Hey, June. Hi, how are you, Spencer? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to finally see you.
1: Same here. <laughs> I, finally get to put a, I finally get to put a face to the names. So, how have things been going?
0: As far as... The podcast i think it's being really well received you know we we have an international audience there's people all over the world that have been listening to this so i think that that people are are invested in this story and you know invested in you
1: well that's pretty awesome and i always i always tell uh kevin to always extend my gratitude to you and lisa because without you guys we would be nowhere you know my my faith in lawyers has you know, I, I have no faith in lawyers and it's people like you and Lisa and Kevin who push these stories forward and you know, compel the you know, the powers at, that, that, that that are in those positions to make things happen, you know, do the, the right the right thing and so I'm happy for your support and Lisa's and Kevin's and Swabs. and I have no confidence in lawyers whatsoever. None none like I, for instance I I I really believe that I wanted to hire a crime scene expert and I found this guy from out of Massachusetts named uh, Albert Harper so I told him months ago I said hey this we have no DNA but what we have is a crime scene that doesn't exist that's equivalent to DNA you know it's scientifically irrefutable evidence That there's no blood spatter consistent with it happening there there was no evidence retrieved there that would say that it was there and I said like I put in the in a report that Jamie and I came up it's analogous to me telling you it just snowed outside and you go outside and there's no snow so so I think that that's something that we need to really have an expert testify to because if you're familiar with the CIU report that Larry Krasner's office put out, there's a, it's a case that's so eerily similar to ours in terms of evidence. There's the Christopher Williams case, where the the guy testified and said that guys were being killed and thrown out of a van. So they went and hired an expert. They hired two experts, and those experts said that no, these guys were not thrown out of a van because they don't have the abrasions and and wounds and you know, consistent with that happening like that. So the CIU said, you know, based upon that, they turned the triple murder over, you know? And that's right. that's basically what they had. So I found that case very uh, similar to ours in, in, in that respect that the CIU went with their expert testimony that refuted the, uh, the witnesses' uh, statement, right? So, and in our case, like I said, that in terms of physical evidence, that is the only thing we have that it's you know I would say analogous to DNA is because it's science you can't right. change science
0: so June have you have you had an opportunity to listen to any of the the episodes that we've done?
1: I have not, but I do you know I call several people and I ask them you know what was said and what did they think and what do the people who they've asked to listen to what do they think and you know they're saying that you know everybody's just saying like they don't understand how how we're in jail that's i guess that's everybody's the universal response is how how is it that we're still incarcerated so i guess and and i you know i have a brother who's in puerto rico his phrasing is that you guys are doing a professional job so you know he he thinks you guys are doing great so i i i heed his advice and i i respect his judgment so and I know you guys are passionate and, and are doing a good job. So that's what I've been hearing.
2: You talked earlier saying that you had no faith in lawyers anymore. Right. What would you say to Peruto now if you could say anything to him?
1: Well, I, I would ask Chuck to really think about what the consequences of his actions, whether intentional, unintentional whatever those you know whatever was behind whatever happened to just come forward and and just say you know what happened with this tape because I I find it I don't think that that romance in his first letter and you see there's a there's a there's a common theme throughout the letters and he's he's the one always asking about Peruto he's the one that brought up Peruto right it's not like I was you know fishing and no he the one mentioned peruto and he's the one who said that peruto was in the office and he's the one that said that check the log books it would prove that he was there right so i i i believe that there's something there what that what that there is i guess peruto and king are the ones that know that and since king is no longer here well then there's only one person that really knows so i i don't believe that chuck is uh a bad man right at his core but I think that sometimes people do things to protect themselves I I read the article that Samantha wrote and she said that she spoke to Chuck and that Chuck said that King threatened him with bringing out something that he wouldn't like well what was that like I, I, I don't know what would be as threatening to Peruto that that Roger King believed was threatening to Peruto enough to make him acquiesce to whatever demands he wanted, so like I said if you know if I, if I were to sit with Chuck you know Chuck and I had a pretty good relationship, you know for the short time that we knew one another, and uh, we both were juniors, he calls me junior, and I you know, and I used to call him junior and, or Chuck, so I would just say, you know Chuck, just find it in you to reveal what was. Said by Roger King that was not above board uh, legally, right? If anything nefarious was done by Roger King, any threatening that would compel him or make him to, you know, withhold that tape, then just come forward, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, he still has his life. He's living good. He has, you know, a young wife. He's a millionaire, I imagine. But there's two men who've been incarcerated for 32 years who deserve to be home with their families so uh, i I think it's time to just come forward,
0: yeah, well, I don't know if you if you knew we we actually interviewed Chuck as well, and I asked him yeah. that exact question, what you know what happened in the office that day with with King, and did he threaten you and he he said no, he didn't. There was nothing he could have threatened me of that was just that was just good lawyering on his part he, he so he wasn't very forthcoming with me.
2: He it's just it's remarkable you know the 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 time difference between when we went, when we did our interview and when Samantha did her article and it's clear that he's lying. I mean right. it is crystal clear and it's so frustrating to me. You know his first email to us when he when we were when Spencer emailed him to do the interview was I've never forgot about him. Right. When he talks when he talks in the interview, he talks about what a nice guy you were, what a good guy you were. You know how, I mean, we've heard that from everybody. But to hear that from him kind of blew my mind a little bit, right? Because I'm thinking he must have rationalized you've done these horrible things, and so it's okay that you are where where you are. But it's, it's such a, I don't know, it's so confounding to me how he can say all this stuff and at the same time keep his mouth shut about what he really did to you and to Angel. I, right. I don't get it. And
1: I, I think one of the things, Lisa and Spencer, right, you, looking back at, and you guys know the case just as well as, as anyone. And I look at from October of 87, when he recorded romance to June 14th, 1990, when he penned that letter to Barbara Christie. Are you aware of that letter that he wrote to Barbara Christie, right? That was June 14th, 1990. This is before the trial, and he's making her aware of the, pos- you know, that he's in possession of a tape f- uh, from their witness. Now, it's, it's just, I think it's uh, odd that for 32 months, you held possession of this tape. Five months later, trial begins, it's gone. That's the part that, you know, leaves you scratching your head because for 32 months, you have this tape. She was the chief of the homicide division Right, she was she was King's boss. So he writes this letter on June fourteenth, nineteen ninety to Barbara Christie. And then five months later, trial begins and the tape is gone. I had it for thirty two months.
0: Do we know if she ever physically received that letter?
1: Well, it was it was exhibit forty one, right? In our trial. Commonwealth exhibit forty one was the letter and it was presented at trial. So to the extent of of her receiving it, I, I don't know, but I know this, that if he did send that letter to her and she received it, wouldn't you think that a prosecutor, knowing that their case hinges on this one witness who the evidence says did it, would say, I need that tape, right? Or say, I don't want that tape. It doesn't help me. So, you know, it's, it's just something that is. I mean, any 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 prosecutor worth his salt would say, "Hold up, I have a confession from a guy who the evidence already is pointing to." And then this tape is this. I need that. I don't. I, I don't believe that the prosecution ever re- got hold of that tape. So, but it was it was an exhibit and it was brought out in court that he did write that letter to Barbara Christie.
2: It also seems like, though, that when romance came forward, I guess when he got arrested in 89, and he starts cooperating, nobody ever mentions the witness statements or anything that they got right, right after right. Sean's murder. It's like none of that ever happened. Right. Now, Lisa, I don't know.
1: Just, just for your edification and Spencer's edification, right? I got locked up June 15, 1989, for, for the feds. But on June 14th, I just flew in from Las Vegas, right? I was at a fight and I came in June 14th. And I remember I was, I had a store on Fairhill Hunting Park. So I'm driving up to my store and I see cop, there's a cop car on my pavement in front of my store. So I reverse and I leave. So I come back when they're not there. And I say, and romance was out there, so I asked, my girlfriend at the time like what what did they do they said no they just came in but it seemed like they were just looking to see if I was in you know in town because the next day the fairs were coming to get me but one of the officers tells romance romance tell me he said yeah he said the cop told me yeah we have you on this one which is the one he was out on bail for and he tells him we're gonna get you on that other one this is on June 14th the cop tells him we're gonna get you on that other one so romance has this in his head, and if, 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 you, if you read his testimony, there's a very interesting thing, he said it. When they asked him, what's your reason for coming forward? Or, or what's, you know, like one of your reasons? And what Roger King is trying to extricate from him is, oh, I changed my life and this and that. But he says something very interesting. He said, I knew that I had the one murder, and the other one was still hanging out there. I knew I could beat one, but I didn't think I could win two. I I thought that was a very interesting comment, and as as well as the comment with the bullet, right? When when he's being cross examined and Dros asks him, you know, about his familiarity with handguns, because Dros knows where he's going with this, and he says to him, "You say it's a 380, but do you know the medical examiner said it was a 25?" No, he said, "Would it surprise you that the medical examiner says a 25?" He says. Oh, that would surprise me because, as far as I know, no bullet was ever found. Who would know that?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Who would know that but him? So it's just, you know, I just, I just, I firmly believe that if given the opportunity to present our case to the CIU with what we have, I've, I've read, you know, the CIU report and I've seen all those cases, and I, I, I would put our case up against every single one of those cases in terms of evidence. Right, because I see a lot of these cases that don't have as much evidence as we do in terms of, you know The physical evidence in terms of statements and like you said Lisa when they were questioning romance They knew these statements were out there, but romance didn't know so when he created this story Which is a good thing that he created that story that didn't fit none of the contemporaneous Contemporaneous statements that were given All of these contemporaneous statements that were given are totally against what he said you know, and, and you would think that at that point, the prosecutor, right, doing the right thing would say, nah, you're lying, and we're going to charge you. That's, that's what a, a prosecutor would do, right? Because all the, you know, the, the first thing they say is, right, Detective 101, follow the evidence, right? You know, Prosecutor 101, follow the evidence.
0: Yeah, but King, King, was, King wasn't interested in that.
1: No, not at all. Not at all
0: yeah he 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 had it in for you guys personally
1: right i i believe that i believe that i believe that you know back then they were they were charging everybody with because you know we were charged with the rico right so now they're allowed you know which actually in ninety six the judge arrested judgment on that charge so we no longer have rico so we just have a standalone murder but yet we were prejudiced you read you read the the testimony all he did was parade everybody in from people from license and inspection talking about the scales in my store to 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 weigh meats you know so he went to those lengths to just put lipstick on this pig which is romance right
0: well let's 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 stay on the, the trial for a second and romance one of romance's letters he mentions a very specific moment where the two of you had locked eyes and you, you just had this right. steely gaze. Like and he, no said ex-
1: like a, he said I was like a stone.
0: Yeah, like no I was like expression. A stone in the chair. Yeah. Right. What, what were you thinking like, while Romance was up there just perpetrating these lies?
1: Well, Spencer, the first reaction is it feels like it's surreal, right? Because you're saying to yourself, this guy really can't be doing this, right? Like, there's no way he's doing this. And, and I'm looking, I'm saying, like, I, I can't believe that he's doing this. It's one thing, right? If he and I and Spanky, if we did this and he comes and you know, I, I could sit there and say, you know what? It is what it is. I, You know, we, we did this and I deserve what I got coming. But when you know that everything that's coming out of his mouth is a lie, right? You're sitting there perplexed. And I tell you the one thing, and, and, and I ruminate over, oh, been ruminating for thirty-two years over all of the things, right? And the one thing, and a friend of mine, he found my this phrasing pretty interesting. I say, you know, my 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 downfall was believing that innocence alone would prevail, right? And when you know you're guilty, right? You know, hey, I got to put up a fight because I know I'm guilty, right? But when you're innocent you start to say, no, this will work out. This will work out. It's just like you ever see those guys who, you know, and you've seen the cases, Lisa and Spencer, guys who give confessions of the things they didn't do because they say, I just want to get out of this predicament here because I know later on the truth is going to come out. And that's how you feel. You're saying to yourself, I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, there's no way in the world, like, this is really happening. Right? And So I'm sitting there perplexed. More than, you know, stone faced.
0: He considered himself family with with you and your and your family. Right. More than just friends. Right. you were family. And then right. he gets up there and, and right. does that.
1: Right. Listen, he you know, it, I, I I I'm not a psychologist, but I would go so far as to say I I just believe he's a sociopath and this guy is all about himself. You know, he and Evidenced by what, what, you know, what he's done, right? And he, he has this life now. He's living in another state. And obviously he has a, you know, a, a girlfriend or a wife. And there's children living there. And he's created this, this life for himself. And he's, he's, I guess he's fine with that. And I, I think it's hard because another thing is this, right? Spencer and Lisa is that Sean, like romance was his idol. Like Sean looked up to romance, And for him to kill that kid like that, right? And then even on the second murder, right? He killed that guy for nothing, for nothing, you know? And okay, listen, I already said, I was stupid enough to put the gun in his hand. You know, although me, my brother, and the kid that was in the backseat, we never expected this guy to shoot this guy. As soon as I pull up, he jumps out of a car and kills a man, right? And I just start to think, and then while he's in the feds, you you read his letters, he stabs a guy while the guy is sleeping. That's what sends him to Marion and Colorado ADX, right? So the guy is just, he just doesn't have a conscience, right? And then, and on top of that, to just have two people sitting in jail for something that he did. Listen, if I hurt somebody's feelings in the slightest way, it's on my conscience. Right. And, and for him to just say, hey, I killed two. And then not on, not on that. I killed two other ones. Right. Because, you know, we're 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 living dead. Right. Being in this in, in, in this hell hole, Right. And he's all right with it. He's he's practically all right with it.
0: Let me ask you a question yeah. about the letters where he is going on and on. And he's so thankful that you have forgiven him.
1: That was in the ninety-one letter.
0: He's, you know, he's he's saying how grateful he is that you have forgiven him. Was that was that right. I, was that sincere on on your part at that time, or was at well, that well, was it still a means to an end for you?
1: Well, Spencer, if you if you go over the letters again, that surprised me. What happened was he ran into Jose Rivera in Fairton, New Jersey, right? And He says that Jose Rivera told him that I had forgiven him Now I never told Jose Rivera that maybe Jose Rivera told him that to soften him up Right. Hey, June's forgiving you right? Those were his words and he said that I told Jose Yeah, he says yeah I was with the old man in the yard and he told me you forgave me and when I when he told me that you know like You know whatever he says after that that like it made him want to really help me out I never (laughs) expressed that to him right and so he got that through Jose Rivera
2: so how do you feel about romance today
1: you know it that changes literally from (sighs) hour to hour right you know we all you know on the human level we all operate and we go throughout the course of a day from feeling good to feeling bad so when you feel bad you want something bad you know to, to befall him when you feel good you say you know what it is what it is i don't want to you know I, I i'll never forget one thing right and I, and I heard this many many years ago and it says hating someone is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die right so I don't, I don't sit here and harbor hate, right? Because it just doesn't help me. And I, I'm, I'm cognizant of that, that harboring hate just hurt me and not him, right? Now, do I sit here and say, man, I wish one day, you know, somebody just accused him of something and just puts him in jail for something he didn't do, right? And then other days I just say, you know what? I don't care anything about him. You know, I'll, I'll, I just want to get out right so that's that's i guess the best answer i can give it that it changes day to day right i sometimes i wouldn't care if he hit the lottery right i just because i can't consume i can't let him live in my head for free right i already have my own problems to deal with so he's you know on an intellectual level right i i, I just just know that that's not the right thing to do to harbor those thoughts because it's not beneficial to me and or you know to my mental health my physical health i just got to let him go and i have done that i just let it go and say you know what let him go on and if he hits the lottery for a billion dollars then i don't care right he i try to erase it from my mind but you know it's you just can't do that you know of course there's days i hear a song and the word romance in the song comes up and you say thinking it is none right you know so you see a movie you know romancing the stone yeah, so the word romance comes up in a lot of things, right? So you, so he's there, you know. It's not like he's not there, but at this point, I, I, I really don't care about him, right? I care about me and Spanky and my family, and that's that's where my energy is at, and you know, that's how I feel about it.
0: All right, well let's not let's not waste any more time talking about romance. Let's talk let's talk about your family, Mary, grandchildren, like you know we met Mary in person uh, a few months ago when we were in Philadelphia and when she was talking about her wedding the scrapbook that you gave her and you know her her eyes light up when she, when she talks about you it's like there's there's just so much love there that, that it, it's it's really it's really apparent tell me tell me about tell me about this scrapbook
1: well the scrapbook I, I came up with that idea because I wanted her to see, you know, cause I have thousands of pictures, right? And I know these are pictures that she wasn't privy to and didn't know I even had. And I just wanted to create, you know, a timeline for her, right? And, you know, at the end, I think, which was just the most emotional part for me was when I left the, the page blank and I said, this is the one for the picture we take when I get out. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to see her evolution you know from baby to you know teen to you know mother now and the one thing that i'm most proud of spencer and lisa the one thing that i'm most proud of is the relationship that i have with her because despite the fact that she was 13 months and 1 week old when i came to prison and now she's 33 going on 34 we have an an amazing relationship and and that's the one thing i'm most proud of and i'm thankful to my family and i'm thankful to her mother for that because they I, I was prominent, you know, in her life all the way through and i'm just grateful for that 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 is i guess if that's the one thing that i'm most proud of is, is is the relationship that i that i have with her you know and i you know i have grandchildren and just you know i fantasize about just being out there with them and you know as far as like you want to know like When people speak about, you know, how I am, one of the things I've always said, right? And people always say, well, I want to leave Philly. I got to get out of Philly. And, you know, the one thing I always say is we helped destroy that community, right? Ethan Butler, we were the first drug corner in that area. One of the, you know, the biggest probably in Philadelphia history. And I always say that I believe I owe it to that community, right? That if I were to be released, that I'm going to live right there. And I'm going to help rebuild that same community. And I think about that every, you know, all the, even today, I'm thinking because I have a plan, right? And, and and I just believe that I can't just be freed from here and then move on. Because although my crime was selling drugs, I don't ever want to downplay the negative externalities of selling drugs, right? You know, so many things, so many families being destroyed. You know, so many kids losing their lives, so many kids coming to jail, mothers you know, having their children taken away from them. So I played a part in that. I'm looking forward to the day, you know, that I can go out there and not run from North Philadelphia where I'm from, but stay there and and help rebuild to the degree that I can. You know, I'm not you know Balian-ish or anything like that, but I know that I can, I can affect. I know I, I believe in myself that much, that I have the passion, I have the ability, both intellectually and emotionally to to put forward the the effort and and the strategy and plan to change my neighborhood and that's something that I know that I can do and that I want to do and that I, I dream of doing more than anything else that's that's where I'm at with that even you know I tell guys here you hear so much uh, you know everybody here is a victim in, the, in prison right everybody all oh, they're doing it all oh, this is you know the food is cold and this and that and they complain and you know first thing I say is Tell that to that five year old who's battling a terminal illness, right? And then come back and tell me about your food being cold or, you know, the system's not treating you right. I say I've been in jail for thirty two years, something I didn't do, and you'll never hear me cry about it, because all I can do is fight, right? If you waste your time if you waste time crying, you're not fighting. I get gratification in helping people. I do it here and I look forward to doing it out there. And you know, that's that's what I look forward to doing.
0: That's amazing is that your plan for when you get out is you just want to get back in the community and 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 give back
1: sure 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 listen if i hit the lotto for a billion dollars i'll be right there on darien street you know making change because i know i can i i know i i don't i'm not i don't have a super inflated ego i don't have i don't think of myself i just believe that if if you believe hard enough and if you love You know the people hard enough and and you really want to help them they're gonna follow they're gonna follow they're gonna follow and i believe that i have the cachet right as as presumptuous as it may sound you know people do know who i am right and to the degree that my popularity in my neighborhood or in north philadelphia can uh help move the needle in a positive way i believe it can be done and i know it will be done you know so I, I, I look forward to doing it, and it's a passion, so that's going to be, you know, that's, I'm not going to say it's a calling, I don't get into that, I just feel as though it's something that I want to do, you know. I want to go back to where I come from and change, to the degree that I can, my, my community, you know, so, and I know I can do it, I know I can, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever. There's no doubt in mine either.
2: If you could speak directly to our listeners, is there anything you would want to say to them?
1: First and foremost, I extend a million thank yous for their interest in our case. And I'm thankful that I, all I've ever wanted, I've watched all the Datelines, lines, I've watched all the 48 hours mysteries, I've watched all the forensic files. And the one thing that I've always wanted was for someone to believe in us. I have that in Spencer. I have that in Lisa, I have it in Kevin, and now I hope that I have it in the listeners. Because I I believe it is that belief, right, that propels you when things are going wrong and, and you feel like you're not making progress, you believe hard enough to say, no, this is wrong and I'm gonna make it right. So I want the listeners to know that I appreciate their time. Time is valuable, people have lives. And for them to take out the 30 or 40 minutes, you know, an episode, I greatly greatly appreciate it and I wanted to know that I think about that all the time and you know I'm, I'm always uh thankful just thankful that that we have garnered the interest right you know the case has garnered the interest but more so that people are there's there's an emotional attachment now you know based upon the injustice that has occurred that I sense from people and that's that's refreshing because you know at the end of the day you know we you know, no man is an island right and you you just can't achieve the things that you want to achieve by yourself right I, I, no one who's had any success in life has done it by themselves and I know that it's with the help of you Spencer you Lisa and Kevin and the listeners you know because a listener may say well how can I be of help well you never know you may know someone who can affect change right You, and that's how it works right it just takes one person to say hey I know how I can make this, you know, make this happen. I know someone who knows someone who knows someone. And I've always said from the beginning, I'm not saying crack the door open and let us out. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is give me the opportunity to present what we have. If you give me that and you give me an objective review, I can live with the results, you know? So for the listeners, thank you so much. And, you know, I hope that this not only for me, but that the listeners you know see that you know I'm not the only one there are others that that are in my position that don't have a voice and i'm not asking anyone to you know dedicate themselves like you and lisa do but just just with that support it helps so thank you to all the listeners
0: yeah every, every little bit helps and you know we're we're basing our whole podcast on advocacy and and there's different levels to that and it doesn't necessarily have to be start a podcast and talk about it. It can be talking to one person, uh, making one phone call, one social media post. There's there's any number of things on the smallest level that people can do that they may not even realize is helping.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I feel.
0: I just want to say that you know I, I I came into this this whole process not knowing much. Lisa's the the advocacy pro. The more I'm learning about this, about you, about your case. I just wanted to let you know what an honor it's been for, for us to, to get to, to share this story. And I look forward to the day that I get to shake your hand.
1: Well, Spencer, the honor is ours, right? To have something that I've always wanted, for someone to believe in us. And you, Lisa, and Kevin, and Suave, you guys believe in us. And whatever way this turns out, that's something I'll never forget, that I finally found someone to believe in us. That's all I've always wanted. You know, so I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. And I look forward to the day where I can reciprocate in a, in a great, great fashion, right? Because you guys are deserving of so much. You know, you you do so much for, for the ones that can't do for themselves. So uh, I applaud you guys and appreciate you greatly.
0: I mean, how can you not root for this guy? I mean, his passion when he talks about going back to Ethan Butler... The love when he speaks about his relationship with his daughter Mary, his insight. Hell, the man is quoting Buddha when he when he talks about not harboring hate or any bad feelings towards romance. That's the, the drinking poison quote that he mentions. It's Buddha, and sure he was very complimentary towards us, but even as he's thanking us, he's looking forward talking about all the other people he wants to help and wants to see get helped. We're crying out loud. Let's get this man out of prison. All right, that's it. That's the episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. The Injustice Podcast is brought to you in association with Death by Incarceration. Thank you to Crawl Space Media. Sound design, audio post-production, Jason Usry. Special thanks for original music to Binaldo Rivaldi. Check out all his great stuff on iTunes, and Spotify, Bandcamp, wherever you get your music. Please support independent artists. Right now is a a real tough time for creatives. Go to InjusticePod.com for more information, including one of the great podcasts we are listening to. You can also find information to contact the hosts directly there. General inquiries can go to info at InjusticePod.com. Thank you for listening. This has been an Injustice production.